Hi, welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. This is Diane, your lactation consultant. And I'm Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And today's episode is brought to you by Pump and Pal. Pump and Pal's angled flanges are here to upgrade your pumping journey. Designed by a caring father to help his wife pump, the angled flange is your answer, the answer for parents needing something different than the common shape of standard flanges. Uh, today's episode is also brought to you by Similary Breast Pumps. From ultra tiny pumps as small as a sticky note to fully adjustable pumps with 85 setting combinations, you're in control of your pumping journey. We will hear more from our sponsors later, but you can head to badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com and check our sponsor page. If you ever need anything, see if you can give them your business because they make that po- make this podcast possible. And while you're there, scroll down and enter your email address and we'll send episodes straight to your inbox every week. And we are on Patreon and we hope to see you there. You can head to the top link in the show notes, wherever you're listening from, or over at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com. You can click the link and you will find our tiers and our different uh, offerings, like our mini podcasts and our extra episodes and our Zoom hangouts uh, every month. So head there and join us. We're having fun and we're still hosting our ongoing giveaways. So if you leave a review around the internet, wherever, stars or a review or wherever you're able to, just take a screenshot, send it to badassbreastfeedingpodcast at gmail.com and we'll send you a goodie bag of stickers and thank you for nursing in public cards and uh, also add your address to that email address, um, email you know what I mean. Yeah. And Diane has our review of the week. I do. And this is titled Over Planner, which I love. Yeah. This podcast has been so great. I have been listening for the last two or three years in preparation for my own baby. We still do not have one of our own, but I have been able to answer so many questions with close friends about what is going on in their breastfeeding journey. I love sharing this resource with all who are interested. I'm excited to use my knowledge with my own baby and to keep listening for all the updates and fun. The myth episodes and listener stories are my favorite part. Thank you so much, Abby and Diane. I love that she's listening just to prepare. I think that's yeah, and adorable. that she knows more about breastfeeding than people who are actually breastfeeding. I know. <laughs> that's funny. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. And yeah. I we haven't done a miss episode in a while. We'll have to try to do another one of those pretty soon. It's been a while. If you haven't listened to any of our miss episodes, definitely check them out because they are a lot of fun. They're my They're favorites. Wild. There's some wild things people tell people. Oh my God. They're out of control. <laughs> Yeah, we got to do it. We might come up with some of that stuff today while we're talking about common problems. Yeah. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about common breastfeeding problems, things that might you might come up across in your journey, in your breastfeeding journey, and what you can do about them. Yeah. I have a list. Maybe some common things. I have a list. Maybe some (laughs) common things you're hearing from medical professionals that is contradictory to maybe what you hear here. Yeah. Or from, you know, your mother or your grandmother or who knows who else might be giving you advice that shouldn't be. Yeah. Right. All right. What's on your list? My list. So the first one is a painful latch and that is a common breastfeeding problem, but it's, 
I always tell people like it should not be a painful experience. Like breastfeeding shouldn't be painful. You shouldn't be like having all of this pain the entire time that you're nursing your baby. What is normal is if the baby first latches on or when the baby first latches on, you might feel a little bit of like tenderness or sensitivity for like the first 30 or 60 seconds and then it should be gone. And then all you should feel is like the pull or the tug of the baby, which might be weird at first until you get used to it, but it shouldn't be painful. You shouldn't have that initial pain throughout the entire feed. And if you do, that's a problem. We need to fix it. And usually it's just like a positioning issue or something like that, that we just need to tweak and it's better. But often what I come across is that people will say like maybe they're having pain in the hospital and they'll say, oh, it's, you know, it's painful. And the response they get is, well, you're breastfeeding. It's going to be painful until your nipples toughen up and then it's fine, which isn't a thing. That's not a thing. No. So if somebody tells you that, if somebody says to you, oh, yeah, of course it's painful. You're breastfeeding. It's going to be painful for a few weeks. Don't listen to that. That's not the answer that we want to hear. We want to hear, oh, it's painful. Let's see what we need to do to make it un- not painful for you. Unpainful. Unpainful. Yes. We want an unpainful let. But it it should not be, you should not be getting, um, you know, this this shouldn't be like, oh my God, this is pa- so painful. I can't do it. That's no, it, we couldn't sustain it. Could you imagine yeah. if that's how it was supposed to be for everybody that was breastfeeding? Yeah, yeah we'd be extinct. People would We would it. be extinct. Nobody would do it. Why would you? It's crazy. No, yeah. I know. It, and it's kind of it's kind of just this thing. It's like it, again, it's just a way to blow people off, right? It's like, oh, mm-hmm. it's you know, it's fine. Just it's fine. Because then you'd have to, you know, actually deal with the problem and know what you're talking about. That's the thing. These are people, if they're telling you that, they obviously don't know. Or that was their experience. It was painful for them. So obviously it's painful for everybody on the planet when that's not the case. Yeah. It should not be. Pain, if the pain is lasting throughout the feeding, that is something that shouldn't be happening. And that is something that we need to look at or you need to have a lactation consultant look at to be sure like what is going on because... If you don't, that could lead to sore or damaged nipples, which is my next thing on my list is sore or damaged nipples. So if you go on, so what I sometimes will see is the latch is painful, but you're like, well, the baby's on, the baby's feeding. I just want the baby to eat. I'll fix it next time or whatever, you know, or they said this was normal. So this is what I'm doing. And you continue on you end up with sore or damaged nipples. You end up with nipples that are flattened, compressed. Because what what's painful is the baby is compressing that nipple between their tongue and the hard palate. And that hurts. And if you do that time and time again, you're going to end up with nipples that are flattened and nipples that are sore and they're cracked and painful and blistered and all this other stuff. And that's, and that's hard to come back from. It really, it is. It really is. So this is not something that we want to happen to you. But if it does, then what do we do? Right? Then it's like, okay, now what do we do? Now that we've got these damaged nipples, can we fix the latch? Now, the one thing to remember is that when the latch is correct, 
and the baby is correctly latched on. The reason you're not feeling any pain is because the nipple is pulled far back in the baby's mouth to the soft palate, like way back in the in the mouth where, to the soft palate where it's not being crushed up against the hard palate. So if we fix the latch, even if you have a sore nipples, if you fix the latch, it shouldn't be painful, even though your nipples are sore, because the latch is correct, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you don't have to worry about like, okay, I've fixed the latch, but now I'm too afraid it's going to continue to hurt. It shouldn't. As long as the latch is fixed, it should not continue to hurt. But what do you do about those sore damaged nipples? Did you ever have like sore damaged nipples? I never did. I never had to deal with that. Thank God. Yeah, I don't... I mean, I did... Well, my son bit me. I think that was the only one that yeah. really was... That's the only time I had like damaged nipples, I think. I remember that soreness, that initial latch pain. I remember that. Yeah. But I didn't have the pain that lasted throughout the entire feeding. I didn't have any of that stuff. So I was really lucky. Um, but what you can do for them is depending on how bad they are, they're really sore. Like some people like to use um, like lanolin, which you have to be a little careful with because it's, it can cause allergies, an allergic reaction um, on the breast, which isn't fun either, but usually just like your own milk, like express a little bit of milk and rub that in because that's very healing you know, your own milk is very, very healing. So that will help to heal the nipples itself. Sometimes just letting them air dry a little bit will really help. Um, if they're like cracked or bleeding, same thing, like just, you know, rubbing some of that breast milk in there can really help a lot, help them to heal. Um, some people will use like ointments, creams, um, like nipple butters, things like that. Mm -hmm. If it's working for you and if it feels good and it's you feel like it's really helping, then that's fine. Um, everybody, you know, tends to do something a little bit different, but some people really like the nipple butters and some people really find that those work well for them. So if that's working for you, then great, then use that. Um, letting them air dry though if you're putting something on them i would let them air dry before you like put a bra back on because then sometimes they'll dry and stick to the bra Ugh. and that's not what we want because then it just kind Ouch. of like i know yeah so try not to do any of that um but those nipples do heal really really quickly if they're not being re-damaged so a lot of times people will say well then i'll pump instead of you know breastfeed but I, I can't under I can't imagine how pumping would be more comfortable. But maybe if it was a baby, if maybe if the latch was really bad and the nipples are really damaged, maybe pumping would be more comfortable. But I would imagine that that would still pull pretty hard. Yeah, and hurt too. Yeah, there's kind of no way around it once the damage has happened. Yeah, it's going to be painful until it heals, which is. Yeah, why getting that stuff looked at earlier than rather than later is kind of yeah. key. Yeah, absolutely. Because sometimes I'll have people that say, well, I thought it was going to get better. You know, I thought it was going to get better. I thought it was going to, I thought I just needed, because somebody told, you know, somebody told me that. Exactly, because probably somebody said like, oh, yeah, that's fine. A week It'll, or two. Yeah, right. Yeah. Give it a week or two and it'll be better. And, yeah. you know, so the thinking is going to be better. So they're going along and getting more and more damage 
or they just think I've had people that have called me and I've, and I've asked them like if, if the latch is painful and I've asked them, do you have any nipple damage? Well, not yet. Well, that's not a goal. We're not <laughs> striving to like have nipple it's damage. Yeah. Like that's not what's supposed to happen. But I think people go into this really thinking that that is going to happen to them. And that's normal. That's a normal part of the process. And then their nipples are going to toughen up and they're going to be fine. It's like, no, you're not supposed to be. That doesn't happen. This isn't supposed to be suffering process. Yeah. Despite what people, some people say is like breastfeeding is not a thing where you're supposed to be suffering. This isn't right. like martyrdom. You know, you're just, that's not how it is. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. So definitely, like Abby said, get it looked at. If you have a painful latch, get it looked at sooner rather than later, because we don't want you to the point where you're having damaged nipples. Because that is not what we want you to go through. So if you're having a painful latch, your nipples are already sore. Definitely call a lactation consultant and find out what is going on with, with this latch because we don't want it to get worse for you. So those are my first two. Next one is your milk supply. So with milk supply, we can go a lot of ways, right? We can go either too much milk is a problem. Yeah. Too little milk is a problem. But mostly what I see is perceived milk supply issues. And what that means is we think we don't have enough milk, but we actually do have enough milk. And that is really common. That is really, really common. And I I always want to be a little bit cautious, like when I talk to people about this, because I don't want you to, I don't want anybody who thinks that they have low milk supply who really doesn't. I don't want them to think that they're like, I don't want to be like, what's wrong with you? You're crazy. You're fine. There's something wrong with you. Because obviously something is happening where you're thinking that you don't have enough milk or maybe somebody's telling you or you have it in your head. You know, like I remember my mom, are you sure you're going to make enough milk? Yeah. Yes. And I didn't know, but you know, I just said the opposite of what she said and that was it. (laughs) But if you have, we'll start with too much milk. Too much milk can happen, can be a problem. And we call that oversupply. And with oversupply, we have problems like clogged milk ducts, mastitis, you're flooding the baby, baby's uncomfortable, um, you're uncomfortable because you're so full all the time, you're leaking all the time. Like that is an oversupply problem. That can come around sometimes. Sometimes people are just naturally overproducers. But typically, it's from pumping too soon or pumping too much. So we know that when, you know, in the first two weeks of the baby's life, your supply is kind of being a little bit, you know, kind of, we're kind of telling the body what we need, right? The baby is telling the body what they need. And those first two weeks is really the important part of that. So if you're pumping in those first two weeks and you're feeding your baby, you know, 10 to 12 times a day and you're pumping too, you're telling your body you need milk for two babies. And you will overproduce. And that's a hard thing to turn back around. No, and once I, you've started people it. think like, oh, I'd rather have too much than too little. But you really don't. No. It's not it's not like a glorious thing to have too much milk. It's extremely it's hard. uncomfortable. Yeah, and it's really hard to manage sometimes too. It can be really hard to manage. So we don't want that for you. Um so 
the biggest way to not have that happen is to not pump too soon. So just don't pump within the first couple of weeks. If your baby is feeding fine, then we don't want you to pump in the first couple of weeks. If you're separated from your baby or if you do have, you know, a sore or damaged nipples and somebody tells you, you know, you're working with a lactation consultant who might tell you, okay, let's, you know, give the breast a rest. Let's do a little pumping instead. Then, you know, work with that person and, you know, to, to not get an oversupply while you're pumping and, you know, what whatever. But, or if the baby's not gaining weight or something like that, work with a lactation consultant so you don't end up with an oversupply. After the first couple of weeks, you should be fine to add in some pumping if you want to. Um, but doing it too soon, along with feeding a lot, like we do in the early days, can lead to that oversupply issue. Now, too little milk, that can happen. It's not as common to have too little milk, just to like naturally not make enough milk. That's not as common. And that could be a situation where maybe it's like a hormonal thing, like sometimes, and I'm going to say sometimes because it's not all the time, sometimes people with like PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome, sometimes they don't make enough milk and sometimes they make too much milk because it's hormonal thing. So we don't really know what's going to happen until they have the baby. Um, If you have like insufficient glandular tissue, that can cause you to not make enough milk. Um, If you have thyroid issues that are uncontrolled, that can cause you to not make enough milk. And all of this is hormonal. Mm-hmm. Um, or if you're, you know, if your baby is not stimulating, you're not feeding when you're supposed to be, um, you're skipping feeds, you are separated from your baby and you're only kind of counting on the pump. Say if you have a NICU baby, you're only counting on pumping and you're not pumping as much as you should be. Things like that. If you don't have the right stimulation, that can cause you to make too little milk. So that is not, but that those things are not as common. But what we do see more is perceived milk supply issues. And maybe we should take a break and then I'll talk about perceived milk supply issues. Okay. Yeah. Because that could go on for a minute. Okay, we will be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Pump and Pal. Pump and Pal's angled flanges are here to upgrade your pumping journey. Designed by a caring father to help his wife pump, the angled flange is the answer for parents needing something different than the common shape of the standard flange that comes with your pump. Pump and Pal flanges are designed to help improve your flow of milk and not constrict your milk ducts because of the way the flanges are able to shape to the natural angle of the breast. Pump and Pal offers medical grade silicone flanges designed specifically for parents that would be considered to have elastic nipples. This type of silicone is made to hold onto the breast tissue so that your nipple is not pulled deep into the tunnel like we see with hard plastic flanges. Pump and Pal now has a new milk storage bag that has a thermal sensor on the bag to help you indicate when the milk is too hot or too cold or just right. You can now try five bags and their new sterilizer bag for free. Just pay $2.99 for shipping and handling. And use code BADASS at checkout for $4 off any order at pumpandpal.com. That's P-U-M-P-I-N-P-A-L.com. Today's episode is also brought to you by Simmery Breast Pumps. Simmery Breast Pumps wants you to have control of your pumping journey. With a continuous focus on research and development and a team comprised of CLCs, 
Similarly, Breast Pumps strives to offer pumps for every lifestyle, from ultra-tiny pumps as small as sticky notes to fully adjustable pumps with 85 combination settings. You're in control of your pumping journey. With resources like virtual breast shield sizing consults in English and Spanish, and an exclusive Get the Right Fit program that offers a third set of breast shields free. Similary gives you vert- vital tools for a successful journey. A safe choice for everyone. All Similary pump parts and storage bags are phthalate and BPA free. Better yet, Similary breast pumps can be personalized with a fun pump skin decal. I saw those on the website the other day. Those are really cool. They're so all fun. All different kinds. Yeah. Did you see them? There's like rainbow and like all these different like patterns are really cool. See their full pump family and those pump skin decals at similarybreastpumps.com. That's C-I-M-I-L-R-E breastpumps.com and use code BADASS for 15% off of your order. And our sponsors and the promo codes can be found in the show notes under this episode, wherever you're listening from, um, also uh, at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com, you can find um, all of our sponsors on our sponsor page. And you can find all of our other episodes. There's like 300 something now. It's mind boggling yeah. to look through that. <laughs> and you can find your uh, information about scheduling your very own one on one online lactation consultation with Diane. Yeah. So perceived milk supply issues, that is when you have enough milk for your baby, but you think you don't have enough milk. And usually that happens because maybe your baby is doing something that is making you think you don't have enough milk or somebody is telling you and you kind of put that idea in your head that you don't have enough milk. So usually what I see is if people are just not really sure that they're reading their baby's cues correctly. And we just, cause we don't know babies, right? We, just we don't, don't understand what babies are doing. No, they're it just these wrong. little, like they're so weird. It just seems like that can't be right. I know. Because that is so alien. <laughs> and they're like speaking this other language and we're trying to figure out what is it that you need. And, you know, Sometimes they're just fussy and they have their fussy times of day. We think, oh, they're still hungry. They must be still hungry. I must not have enough milk because the baby's fussy. Um, Or they're doing these, what people think are feeding cues, which are feeding cues because there are definite feeding cues that babies will do. But then sometimes they'll just do those things, right? Like sometimes they will just suck on their hands when it's not a feeding cue. Sometimes they will thrust their tongue out when it's not a feeding cue. So it's kind of hard, you know, it's hard to know. And I've, people will sometimes ask me, like, I'll have new parents say, okay, well, what they're, what the baby's doing right now, isn't that a feeding cue? And this is like, we've gone through an entire consult. We've, you know, measured the baby's intake, done all of that stuff. And we know the baby's not hungry and the baby's still like sucking on their fingers. And it's like, no, it's totally fine. Maybe it's just your baby's comfort, right? Like it's their comfort to suck on their fingers. Yeah, or, or they to found have out their they hands in their mouth. Yeah, they found out they had fingers, they so they fingers, wanted to suck on them. They found their tongue, and it's just like all of these weird things. Then they're going to be. They're like, oh wow, look what I can do with my tongue, and then they thrust it out constantly. Yeah, and you're like, what so, the hell is that baby doing? I know. <laughs> and sometimes it's just your babies. It's 
babies are just do their thing and they have their fussy times of day where you're not going to soothe them no matter what you do. Um, especially in the newborn period, you see this, especially within the first like six weeks, you'll see, you know, lots of difference. And you're also trying to figure out your baby during this time as well. As time goes on, you learn them a little bit better. But in the first few weeks, that's the typical time where we go, I don't have enough milk. I don't know what my baby's doing. They're, they must still be hungry. Um, if your baby is gaining well, if your baby is pooping and peeing a lot, they're getting enough milk. That's the bottom line. What I don't like is when somebody says, oh, well, why don't you pump to see how much milk you're getting, how much milk you're making? Because what yeah. your pump does not equate to how much milk you're making. That is a really important thing to remember. How much milk you're pumping does not equate to how much milk you're making. So don't do that. If your baby is pooping and peeing, you're making enough milk. That's pretty much the bottom line. If you're changing a diaper with every feeding, if you're changing at least five or six diapers a day, and you know you got a couple good poops in there too, your baby is getting enough milk. It's just yeah, I mean, there's no way that they could be doing that without getting enough milk. Exactly. Exactly. If you're hearing them swallowing while you're feeding them, um, if you're feeding them at least, you know, eight to 12 times a day. And again, if your baby's newborn, and when I say newborn, I mean like the, you know, a week or two old, they might be feeding 14 times a day and that's fine. That's normal. We don't, you know, but don't feel like I'm feeding them too much. They, I must not be making enough milk. They just want to be on the boob all the time. Sometimes they just fuss until you put them there. Yeah, that's where they're supposed to be after they're born. It can't be too much. No. It's not like, oh my God, they're constantly there. They're constantly eating. There's not enough in there. They're starving. That's not... They just want to be there. Right. They They just want to be there. And that's really normal. Sometimes I have people say, you know, it's not... I don't want to be doing that. I don't want to have my baby at the breast all the time. This isn't forever. They don't do this for the entire breastfeeding relationship. Usually up until they are a little bit more comfortable with being on the planet, then, you know, they aren't doing it as much. But in the very beginning, that's where your baby wants to be all the time. That's where they're safe. It doesn't mean you don't have enough milk. It just... That's just where they want to be. No, pretty soon they'll be discovering all the things in your house and discovering that they can see you and see everybody else. And then they'll be so distracted that you'll be worrying that they're not nursing enough. Exactly. So it's like we can't win. No, we cannot win. But that leads to my next one, which is cluster feeding, which is a common... I put that as a common breastfeeding problem. It's not really a problem. It's just something that babies do, but we see it as a problem because it's annoying. Yeah. But it's really, really normal. And cluster feeding is when your baby wants to eat. Usually they pick like one time of day. Typically it's the evening, although I did see a baby the other day who was doing it in the morning, who was not fussy in the evening, but cluster feeding more in the morning. So sometimes it's the morning, sometimes it's the evening, typically evening, where they just want to eat all the time. They just want to be on the breast or they're fussy. And if they're not on the breast, they're miserable. But then you put, sometimes even when you put them on the breast, they're still miserable. But this is just them kind of blowing off steam and they just want to be at the breast and eat and 
get some milk and be comforted and be soothed and be held by you. And they just fuss, fuss, fuss until they're nursing. And they might do that for, you know, for a couple of hours sometimes in the evening where they'll be on the breast, say it's like seven o'clock, they go on the breast, they nurse for 15 minutes, and then they doze off for a few minutes, and then they want to go back on. And then they come off again. And then they might fuss a little bit, and then you put them back on like it, it just is constant. But that's when people go, Oh, my God, I'm not making enough milk. You're making enough milk. It's so, It's so funny, though, because it's like, you think you're not making enough milk when they're cluster feeding, but cluster feeding actually gives you more milk. Right. That's so what they're doing. They're, and they're drawing from your milk supply and they're encouraging more milk during that time as well because they're stimulating your supply. So you, if you think you don't have enough milk, not cluster feeding is going to work against you. So we want them to be at the breast like that. Even though, like I said, it is annoying. Yeah, I mean, I remember when my kids cluster fed, and it was twenty years ago, and I remember it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. The best thing to do is just let them do it. They're talking to your body. Your baby and your body have like a whole thing going on that you don't even know about. You just let them (sighs) communicate to each other. Yeah. And your baby, a lot of times, does this because they're overstimulated, and it's their way of kind of bringing themselves back down again. Some people notice more of this, like when you've had a really busy day, your baby gets overstimulated and you see more of that cluster feeding in the evening or more of that fussiness in the evening. Um, Some people notice that, you know, the baby cluster feeds like this and then they'll give them a good stretch of sleep. Like maybe then they'll sleep for like four hours because then they kind of like tanked up a little bit for the overnight. Mm -hmm. Um, Babies know what they're doing. Like they, we don't know what they're doing, but they know what they're doing. So letting them do it is usually the easiest thing. This is not something that goes on forever. You will see this just in the newborn phase and then that's it. They don't do this when they're three or four months old. They only do this in the first like month and a half or so. And then you don't really see it as much anymore. Again, Mm -hmm. it's another thing that as babies get more comfortable with being here, their little systems are getting a little bit stronger. You don't see it as much, but it's a very normal, normal process. And try not to fall into that trap of thinking that you don't have enough milk when it happens because you do have enough milk. It's just something that babies do. Now, one thing that I didn't, I'm going to go back to the milk supply thing for just a second because there's something I forgot to mention was the pumping piece. If you're somebody who does pump, if you're pumping at least an ounce or two, that is plenty of milk to be pumping. Sometimes people will say, I'm, I don't make enough milk. I'm only pumping an ounce or I'm only pumping two ounces when I, when I do pump. That is totally normal. Totally normal. Don't think you don't have enough milk if you're only pumping an ounce or two. That's all I got to say about that. Yeah. Now, Blocked milk ducts is another common breastfeeding problem. And common, I mean, you might experience it. Some people will go their entire breastfeeding journey and never have one. Um, but And then some people have more, you know, some people will experience them a little bit more. Some people are just kind of prone to them, I think. If your baby is, if you have, you're going to experience them more if you have an oversupply because you just have too much milk in the breast and things get clogged up. Mm-hmm. 
So what it feels like is because I had somebody the other day, one of our listeners that emailed me and said she wasn't sure if she was getting a plug duct or if it was just her, her breast feeling full. Engorgement and plug ducts are two different things. And if you're feeling full, like say your baby typically eats every two hours, but now they slept for four hours and you're feeling really full and uncomfortable. That's not a plugged milk duct. That's just being full and uncomfortable. And the breast might feel a little hard, but once the baby feeds, everything is fine. Um, that is just that fullness of needing to feed. Plugged milk duct is like one generalized area where you might feel like a little hard spot, like a little, almost like a, almost feels like a little pebble or like a mm-hmm. little stone in there. And that is what a plugged milk duct is. Do not massage them. Because what can happen, we used to think that massaging them was helpful, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but now we know that if you massage them, that can actually cause damage and cause more problems. So don't massage them. What we want you to do is put ice on them because it's a swollen spot. So it's just inflammation of the milk ducts. So put ice on that spot. Take some ibuprofen if if you can take that. If it's, you know, as long as you're not like allergic or something. If you can take ibuprofen, take ibuprofen and ice and feed the baby. That's all. I mean, the baby is feed the baby like you normally would. Um, and it should go away. Sometimes they can be a little bit stubborn and last a day or two. Um, try not to panic. There's only because sometimes people panic thinking it's gonna be, oh my God, is this gonna turn into mastitis? If you're on top of it, you're doing the ice, you're doing the ibuprofen, you're feeding the baby, don't overfeed. We don't want you to cause an oversupply. Don't feed and pump and, you know, all of that stuff. The only time you need to worry is if you spike a fever and the ice is not working anymore. Like you've been doing the ice and everything and nothing's happening. And then you end up with a fever and other symptoms of mastitis. Then you have to call your provider. But if it's just a plugged milk duct, then just kind of do the ice, do the feeding, do the ibuprofen. Just try to stay away from massaging. Sometimes people will massage their breasts so hard that they bruise it. Don't oh, yeah. do that. Yeah, don't do not do that. That will definitely cause some problems there in the breast. It can cause like just more damage. So returning to work can be a common breastfeeding problem. A lot of people return to work. We have a lot of episodes on returning to work, so I'm not going to like delve into it too much. But um, depending on how long you're off for, depending on, you know, here in the United States, maternity leave is very ridiculous. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was trying to find the right word for it, but... It's like limited, no ridiculous. Limited, part. ridiculous. Um, it can and it's changes depending on your job. Some people have three months. Some people have six weeks. It's just re- it's some people have less than that. Like it's just ridiculous. So the important thing to remember is that you can, you know, you're you should be legally protected to pump your milk at work. Try to build up a you know, a little bit of a stash before you go. It doesn't have, before you go back, it doesn't have to be crazy. Maybe like a week backup is enough. Um, a couple of days backup of milk is enough because when you're pumping at work, you know, you're pumping for the next day for the most part. So we don't want you to, you know, you don't need to have a huge like 
hundred ounces in the freezer before you go back to work or anything like that. No, save up what you are going to, you should be practicing anyway. Mm -hmm. Practice before you go back with the pumping and do that a few times with the bottle with the baby and don't just be like, "Mm, I'm here. It's my first day. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Collect what you are getting when you practice. Yeah, that's perfect. That's perfect way to put it. Just kind of, and you know, just start practicing a few weeks before you have to go back. I usually tell people like kind of like halfway, you know, like if you're going back at, you know, two months, then start around four weeks, start around a month, you know, and, and start practicing with the bottles, make sure your baby's taking bottles. Okay. Start practicing with the pump, see what settings you like, see what works for you. Um, and when you go back to work, Depending on, it's different for everybody because everybody works a different schedule. Everybody works a different routine. But if you're working an eight-hour day, if you can pump at least every three hours, that's perfect. Or three times during that eight-hour day, like once in the morning, once in the afternoon, and then like lunchtime, that usually works out fine. But everybody has a different routine. Um, So definitely what you can do if you're unsure of how to go about this, because this can feel really overwhelming. Talk to, get a lactation consult, you know, talk to somebody, talk to a lactation consultant. You don't have to have problems to talk to a lactation consultant. If you have questions, if you need help making a plan, if you're, you know, unsure of what you need to do, then talk to a lactation consultant because they can help you work it out. And then you'll feel so much better because it can feel Mm -hmm. really overwhelming to go back to work. Now, the last one we want to talk about is poop, right? Yeah. Poop, <laughs> because everybody is obsessed with poop. Yeah, we know Abby was obsessed with poop when her babies oh, were little. I had a poop log. I still have it. it I Abby it. has a poop log. I do. And maybe you have a poop log too, because we know that when uh, we were just saying, we know your baby's, you know, getting enough milk if they're pooping and peeing. So sometimes people really do track the poop down to every day, every diaper. If your baby's pooping a couple of times a day and the poop should look like yellow, some form of yellow, maybe like yellowy orange, yellowy green, you know, yellowy brownish, that is normal. It should be soft consistency. Um, sometimes it's a lot. If it's at least the size of a quarter, that is considered a poop. So it doesn't have to be like, oh my gosh, is this a poop? Is this not a poop? They only pooped a little bit. Does that count as a poop for the day? If it's at least the size of a quarter, that counts as a poop. Because some babies will just like fart and some poop will come out. And then, (laughs) you know, you don't know. Bring on sharding. Sharding, yeah. And then we don't know if that's actually a poop or not. So if it's at least a quarter size or or bigger, then it's considered a poop. But if your baby's doing that a couple of times a day, then they're getting enough milk. It's totally fine. As they get a little older, sometimes they're pooping a little bit less when they're only breastfeeding because there's less waste. So you might see less poop as they get older. And when I say older, it means like anytime over like eight weeks. Some babies will only poop once a day after that, but it's a you know a big poop. Some babies will poop like every other day, but it's a big poop. As long as it still looks soft and yellow, they're fine. They're not constipated. It sounds like they're constipated because babies have a hard time pushing it out, but they're not. 
It's just them trying to get it out because their little systems are new and immature and they don't have the muscles to push that poop out. It's hard for them. So they're trying to get it out. So a lot of times you will hear the grunting and and it's like, oh my God, they're constipated. Constipated is when they poop like little ball size things and they're hard. That might happen once they're starting solid foods, but it should not happen while your baby's on breast milk. You're not going to see that at all. Babies don't get constipated when they're on breast milk. So that should be good. Yeah, I got an email recently from um, a listener and she was reaching out because of her baby, quote, being a poop machine. Um, And she said she was wondering if it was a sign of overfeeding. It was eight days old. Um, Let me just read it. uh, She said uh, it's a poop after every feed. And or after a fresh diaper, like I'll change him and there will be poop, feed him and then he'll poop again, change him. And usually he's done by then. But still, that's a lot of poop. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, you know, she said, is it, it my question is, so for a little newborn, how many poops is too many poops? So and every baby is different. Right. But you do. We do see if your baby is overfeeding, you will see more poop. For sure you will see more poop. If your baby's pooping like eight or nine times a day, like good size poops, then with every single diaper and you're changing like, you know, eight diapers a day and every single one of them is poop, then they're definitely getting probably more milk than they need, which happens sometimes, especially if you have a baby who's like a comfort nurser. Mm. Sometimes they do get a little bit more and some babies will spit up if they get too full and some babies will just poop it out. It's just the way they are. Mm-hmm. But all babies are different. So if he's comfortable and fine, then I wouldn't worry about it. If he's, yeah. you know, if he's just pooping a lot and, you know. Yeah. Sometimes they poop a lot. Yeah. Especially in the early days, you see more poop and then they don't poop as much as they get older. And then you're like, where's all the poop? We get obsessed with the poop. We just do. Oh, it's, uh, I still remember. I know I've said this before, but just the poop log and every poop logging the poop and the texture of the poop and the color. And I would like smear it around in the diaper and look, I don't know what I was looking for. (laughs) (laughs) My God. I was just so worried about everything. What would have happened if you had found something in there? Like what? I don't know. I mean, one time Exley swallowed a piece of metal and then I had to dig through his poop and wait for it to come out. Just confirm that it was out. So then I knew what I was looking for. Yeah. But um, But yeah, I don't know. Maybe some diamonds. I don't know. Yeah, diamonds. I know, really. But a lot of times people will look for like blood, you know, things like that. Yeah. I don't know. Everything. I didn't know what I was looking for. So everything I saw, I was worried about. That's true. Because you don't know what's nor- what the norm That's was. Exactly. Because yeah. I don't know what's normal. So now you know oh. what's normal. Now you everybody knows what's normal. Yes. So here's those are some common breastfeeding problems. So if you're experiencing any of those, hopefully that was helpful. Um, but that's, yeah, that's about it. 
Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.